0: Welcome disciple makers and thank you for joining us. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board Discipleship Team, led by Scott Sullivan, exists to help churches take the next step toward becoming a healthy disciple-making church. We've developed tools to help you, like the Watershed Principle, which identifies 6 main ministries needed to be a healthy church. The Spark Conference, a total church strengthening event that allows you to access keynotes and breakouts all year long, for ongoing training in your ministry area. This year's conference features keynote speakers Fred Luter, Michael Catt, Todd Bulsinger, and Robbie Gallaty, as well as online and in-person regional events. Learn more at www.thesparkconference.com. We also have learning communities across Georgia to sharpen, encourage, and resource leaders personally and professionally. Find a community near you at gabaptist.org discipleship. Don't forget you can find our previous episodes on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and your favorite podcast platform. Now let's join today's broadcast or podcast.
1: Welcome to Georgia Baptist Discipleship, where we seek to bring you the best discipleship practices and principles from across the nation. Now, on today's broadcast, we have an incredible resource and in Dr. Kevin Williams, who has been the pastor of First Baptist Villa Rica for the past 9 years. He's finishing up his second term as president of the Georgia Baptist Convention, serves on the executive committee for the International Mission Board. Dr. Williams was one of the few individuals to receive the ARCOM badge, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, uh, which for the Army is the peacetime version of the Bronze Star Medal to recognize outstanding performance. Just really cool. He served in the U.S. Army Military Police that trained with and deployed Army Rangers. He was SRT, which stands for Special Reactions Team, similar to the Black Ops. And those who know Kevin today may not know a lot of those things, but they will know that he has a passion for worldwide missions and evangelism. Kevin, thanks for jumping on with us, buddy. How are you? Man, I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here with you. Awesome. Now, listen, we always like to do a little fun fact here, and you know, sometimes we have to to make fun facts up, or we, you know, I've got to um, elaborate a little bit to make them interesting. <laughs> but but your bio has you that you hung upside down from a helicopter in Japan and that you were married at the U.S. Embassy in Tokyo, but you and your wife are from the same hometown. So tell me a little bit about about how that happened.
2: Well, uh, my wife and I, i I, honestly, I did not know her uh, growing up. I knew her brother. Her brother and I went to school together, but I didn't know her. So when I went to Japan, I was stationed in uh, Tokyo for a little while. Wow. And while I was there, I came home on leave and met her and decided i couldn't i just couldn't do life without her so i actually paid for her plane ticket and uh talked to her parents and she flew over to japan and um we decided to go ahead and get married in the u.s embassy there
1: all right so hanging upside down is that how you got married were y'all both hanging yeah, that, down? That's is that a different. Experience? right there
2: that's what it took got to hang upside <laughs> down. so you know part of the srt uh special reaction stuff um one time we were deployed down to Tokyo and I was what they call the point man, uh, which means you go first. That's what that means. You That's go- That's
1: right, you get shot at first.
2: That's right. So uh, I we had deployed down for, um, there was something going on in Tokyo and we had to get down there quick. And we came in on a helicopter. Problem is the helicopter was too big to land. So they, they threw a rope out and said point man in the door. I was like, uh, hello. <laughs> Wow. So, my Anyway, it was probably, to me, I've told this story before, but it was probably the scariest, yet the coolest moment, you know, in my life where as far as like something that was just off the chain, I jumped, I uh, had to come out, you know, because you feel like that blade is going to hit you. I mean, you, you couldn't even jump to get to it, but, you know, it's right above you. So I had yeah. to rappel out. And when I did, I had so much gear, it just kind of flipped me. And so I was upside down, and, I, and then I, as I was hanging there upside, down, I, I gathered myself, you know. So I was upside down under a Black Hawk helicopter, and I thought, now how many people can say they were upside down under a Black Hawk helicopter in Tokyo, Japan? <laughs>
1: Which, be honest with you, serving in the special reactions team and all the upside down and being shot at—that's
2: pretty good preparation for local church pastoring, right? Well, you know, I I often say that the military prepared me for the Baptist church. So (laughs) (laughs) that is
1: gold. Yeah. Awesome. Well, listen, I want to say a little word to our listeners right now, because these guys have downloaded and engaged with our content over 150,000 times this past year. And we're just humbled that you guys would trust us to engage that consistently. And I want to remind you, that our discipleship team has a collection of resources that we want to give away so make sure that you leave a comment and you'll get entered into that drawing and if you share today's link i don't know but you just may get invited to dr williams next mission trip to the remote jungles of hawaii right yeah it's tough tough i mean somebody's got to give the gospel to those in hawaii as well brother might as well i mean come on hey well let's jump in here um Kevin, I don't know any pastor with a bigger passion for missions than you. I thought a great place for us to start would be to to just talk about this. How do we connect the local church missions efforts to the command to make disciples and not just converts? Can you jump in here?
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of, you know, obviously as a pastor, there's a couple of things right out the gate. Everybody wants to preach. Everybody wants to preach. but Preach well. The second thing is evangelism, which you know, I do believe is lacking in many ways today, but evangelism, and then um, you tie in discipleship to me, uh, and Scott, I think I've told you this before, but to me, I think the greatest form of discipleship is grabbing somebody by the hand that's come come to know Christ and take them on a journey, Mm. you know, show them how this is done. And like Paul did with Timothy, or, you know, just grab them and take them. And so let me show you how to do this. So I'm a big believer. And and now look, I don't feel like I've cornered the market on anything here. I just think that God gave us a plan and I've just been going and doing. And so let me just say this, how it intertwines. When we went and started this church in Guatemala, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: I saw the receptivity I mean, like they have just given us the schools and not, not a school, I'm talking schools. We are, we have seven that we, it's over a thousand students that they just give us access to. So the city, the mayor gave us the key to the city where we're working. We built this church. I mean, man, it is, it's awesome. But here's the deal. I got so excited about what God was doing and I came back. And had you know, I got really good pastor friends, and I said, "Hey, man, go with me. Let me show you what's going on." So I took the first time I just grabbed these five guys, and we went to Guatemala, and I showed them what we were doing, and they all ended up starting their own work in different cities. Uh, so then from that it grew, and, and so I would say our entire process, and and I know there's two different there's two different approaches to missions. Uh, You can do what we call the shotgun approach where you go somewhere different all the time. Right. I don't think you see the benefits of the rifle approach where you keep shooting the same spot. So we've been going to the same area now for nine years. Um, We've taken over 500 adults or people. I want to say uh, there's some of those are teenagers, but uh, we've taken over 500 people from our church bodies physical humans down to the foreign mission field now it is priceless in discipleship yeah cuz every single thing that god gifts people with is deployed yeah from teaching in classes we're teaching teachers uh, this year we did a new thing where our our teachers that were from the united states were teaching their teachers and you know everything's gospel centered now we may be teaching them practical life things, but everything gospel-centered. So uh, you got people that are using their gifts and they like to build with their hands. So Mm -hmm. we have building, we have VBS teams that are in the classrooms, teaching, uh, crafts, everything, sports. I mean, we're doing it all. We have everything you can think, doctors, nurses on the field deployed that go with us. And uh, it's, it's tremendous in what it actually does. In discipleship, it allows everybody to use their gifts and their abilities that God's given them. And they come back and they're just inspired, you know, like man, God really can use me, you know. Now like, Kev-
1: I now Kevin, this is really important. So I want to zero in just for a second because you hit something that is a gold mine that I really want to highlight because we were talking about the one time versus the shotgun approach, right? And taking right. people by the hand and ongoing right. relationship and disciple making. Right. But you just highlighted that taking your people, giving them multiple opportunities and seeing how they can use their, their giftedness and their passions from people in your church and going on these mission trips, that there's actually benefit for them. So it's not just benefit for people in Guatemala. Can, right. you, can you maybe go one layer deeper there for the benefits of, of these, for our pastors that have people with all these gifts and passions in their, in their church, how it actually benefits the local church that's sending
2: Yes, because when we come back, okay, let, let me just give you an example. and this is this is just a God thing. I, I don't say this in any kind of pious, uh, braggadocious, I don't I don't mean it like that. I, I guess you know, Paul says, if you're gonna brag, brag on the Lord, come on, so let me brag on the Lord. I mean, what God has done at Villareca is tremendous uh, is because, and I believe and through many interviews, conversations, I do believe it's been our missions effort that has really deployed our people, but they come back home and they feel like, well, man, if we can do it there, we can do it here. And Mm so they, they go to work and they have taken ownership to the church. So when I say this, I don't, I don't want it to come across pious and bright. I don't want it that way. I just, this is just what's happened. Yeah. We went from, my first Sunday we had 240 people in the pews. We have taken 500 people now to Guatemala.
3: Good grief. On the
2: international mission trip. So I I would attribute the growth. Uh, yeah, you got to preach the word. Yes, you you got to do you uh, you have to do the things a pastor does. But getting the people hands on jobs not just talking about it, not just preaching about it. They are doing it. So they get to see the actual fruit from their own labor, you know, that they're working, they're producing disciples and people that said, that said to me before we left, I don't know how in the world God could use me. They come back and they go, man, I, I prayed with this kid to receive Christ. And they just can't believe first time in their life they've ever done this. So now they're like, it's like a an addiction, you know. They want to go, and everybody goes. And and man,
1: doesn't your heart just swell as a pastor when you see those, you know, the glisten in their eye, yeah, and the and the, the passion coming through from them, and a lot of them don't even know how to express what God has just done, but they're so excited. And yeah. you know, Kevin, for me, what that does is it, I think you just hit on that sweet spot between corporate growth and personal growth, yes. like like doing something for and from the church and for Jesus, but it also impacts me personally. And I, I learned this years ago that my capacity to lead publicly is based on my commitment to go and grow personally.
3: Yes.
1: And man, what a great job. And I'm telling you, and, I, and I track with first Villa Rica. you know, it's one of the hero churches in our convention and so grateful. And uh, I tell you what, let me, let me shift gears here because I want to get to another aspect of something that I see happening at first Villa Rica. So it's, it's, the, it's that you're in this, I don't know, it's like a 172-year-old, historic-existing church, and and you've been making some shifts over the nine years that you've been there to be truly a disciple-making church. So it's not just focused on your congregation, but you're trying to reach your community. You're trying to reach the world like a, a launching pad. So there's a lot of people, I don't have to tell you that, Kevin, that, that are trying to do the same thing, but they're not seeing the results. So, do you have any, maybe, some key elements or key lessons learned yeah. to lead a
2: historic church to make these shifts? Well, and uh, just, I just want you to know, next year we will celebrate our hundred and eighty-fifth. Eighty-five. Good gracious. Year in eighty-five, uh, and yes, they were very. They, now you have to understand, Bill was in a what we call a death spiral. Hmm. going in the wrong direction it had declined they they were running about 600 at one point uh and it had declined down to about 240 250 somewhere around in there uh it was it was in a what we call in the church growth world it was in a death spiral Hmm. and i had this huge facility but yet everything was not going well Uh, they had let some things creep in there um liberalism was really bad it was really bad in the church so they had dropped down their cp given down to one percent i mean it was uh, it was it was a mess uh, so i i would just tell you that going in there i the former pastor that they fired came to work at the church i was serving at as our interim education guy so i was like man he. i heard all these nightmares about this church <laughs> and so i mean i was like wow Uh, So I really, when God, and and there's no doubt in my mind that God called me there. So going in, I went in shields up ready for war. Yeah, I did. I walked in like, man, they're coming after me. You know, like, this is not good. They have run off every pastor they've ever had. I mean, like it's, it's. And now the truth is there's some alphas in this church. Mm -hmm. So jokingly in the front end, we talked about, the military preparing me. Well, I worked with a bunch of alphas. So, I mean, yeah. so that's what I was used to being around. So, these guys, and I, I don't know how else to say this, these were my kind of men. Come on. And so, when I walked in the door, all we did was link arms. And I said, um, Hey, and I literally said this. Now, you may laugh at me, but I, I literally said this I said, Hey, y'all been doing it this way for about 175 years why don't we try doing it this way? And they were like, well, show us. Oh, wow. And I did. And all I did, I mean, this is the truth. All I did was take the Bible and every meeting we would have, if it was the deacons meeting, you got to remember when I came there, there had 29 committees. Uh, it was mm. in deacon. How is a committee run deacon led? Yeah. That's what it was. Uh, and so, I just went in and said, hey, why why can't, let's just do what the Bible says. Yeah. And I would read the scriptures and uh, show them different things and then uh, said, hey, why don't we do it this way? And what I found, what I thought I was walking into a war zone, what I found was a group of people who really wanted to serve, but they wanted somebody to say, this is how we do it. Let's go. And let's not listen. I can't fix your past. You know, I can't. That's what happens. happen. Happened. Yeah. Um, but let's just launch forward from here. So I'll I did all I continue to do and still to this day is I will just say, here's what the Bible says. Let's do this. Here's what Jesus said. Let's do that. And so that, that has been the MO moving forward. And basically now we got rid of those 29 committees. Now we only have three. Okay. And so, that was a transition for the church to being pastor led and staff led. We're more yeah. staff led. Um, I get to sit at the helm and I, when I say get to, I get to I get to sit yeah. and direct and say, this is what we need to do. And uh, then the staff enacts the vision. And so really it goes back on them to make sure things get done and they do. And I have a great staff, which is great. Um, but again, that was developed as well over years. So, for us, it was really less. I didn't go in there, and I want to say this I didn't go in there trying to, like, I guess the term would be bulldog. I didn't go in yeah. trying to bulldog anything. Good call. I just, I just went in and, and humbly as, as, I, as I could. Now, I'm a very aggressive personality anyway. I'm just aggressive, but I don't want to be mean about it. So, right. so I went in with this attitude of, hey, hey, this is what the Bible says. Let's just try this. And they would go, okay. And we would do it and we would see great success, you know. And, and I mean, so- what
1: options did they have, Kevin? Because if they didn't, you're going to break out an AR and hang upside <laughs> down from a helicopter. <laughs> that's right.
2: <It laughs> that time, yeah. But yeah, God was good. But, you know, it, it that's how we were able to accomplish in the early years. That's how we were able to accomplish things. Changing that, the, the that direction. Account. That's so good. That's so good. Now, let me let me dig for a second
1: because you mentioned – Uh, a group of people that were there and you were having to, sounds like you built a relationship. You came up with a biblical uh, dynamic that you're focusing them. Let's do what the Bible says. You changed some structures in the church so that it's more sustainable. Let's talk about the senior adults, maybe some of those older ones, because Mm -hmm. one of the comments I get a lot as pastors come into churches, that you have people that have been there and they've gotten used to a certain way. And sometimes there's, there's um, power, there's authority when you do it a certain way. And you've had a lot of transition with pastors Um, and and so one thing I've always thought is that our senior adults can be the canary in the coal mine. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they can give us that indication, whether the atmosphere in the church is toxic or if it's life given, how did that work for you? Did you, were you able to shift those relationships and kind of bring them along? And if so, how did you bring those existing, maybe older members along?
2: Well, there were a few things, uh, I would point to directly. There was some strong, strong personalities yeah. older than me way you know like why and some of those i've already i've done their funeral now and yeah. you know in the front end uh, there was one guy that i would say he was kind of the alpha of the entire church and he pulled me to the side and said uh, don't let anybody stop you you're doing great things and he said just keep going but i had a great i formed mm. a relationship with him. And he, he, he just said, just keep going. And so that was huge. You know, I had this guy with me, uh, who, ha- who could have been, if he wanted to be a big problem, but he, he chose, he chose to support and and go that way. Well, there was another guy did his funeral th- during COVID. Um, but he was a retired 30 plus year state trooper and could be a very, Horse mm. horse. I mean, he could be, yeah. but he was as sweet as could be. And he took me to lunch one day. This was kind of a tide turner here. We went to lunch and what you said was exactly true. He didn't like everything I was doing. He didn't. And he told me at the table, he said, I just don't really like everything you're doing. Mm. And he said, you've changed a lot of things. And, and then he said, and he stopped, he said, but let me say, I've never seen people joining our church, people getting saved. Wow. What I'm seeing right now. And he goes, so who am I? He said, I'm going to shut my big mouth and I'm going to support you. Even if I don't like it. He said, and what the things he didn't like were, we weren't using the hymn book anymore. We were using words on the screen. Right. Uh, We weren't, we didn't sing the doxology anymore. uh, Every Sunday, you know, we do that. Uh, he there's just things that he had got used to, like you said, he was used to certain things. So I tried to point out. I said, "Now, I, all those things are good. Nothing's wrong with any of that." I just said, "But, but, what's wrong with what we're doing?" And He said, "Nothing." He said, "Nothing." He said, I, I've, "I've evaluated myself." He said, "I just don't see anything wrong." And I said, "Well, there's nothing's wrong. You're different." And then I went back to the old saying, Scott. I know you know it well. It's, the methods change. The gospel stays the same. Come on, and I said, you know, the way you guys did it, or the, even before your time, I said, things changed from the 1900s to the 1950s. Yeah. The 1950s to the 1970s, it changed from 1970 to 90. It changed again. Yeah. I said, then we got into worship wars, yeah. you know, we in the 90s. And then now, you know, the pendulum's going back and forth. I said, but it doesn't matter. I said, well, really? And I said, really, li- realistically are we preaching the word from the Bible and are we worshiping the Lord through, through music? Are we doing those things? And and yeah, I said, it's all we're supposed to do. You know, Mm -hmm. we're we're supposed to preach the word and we're supposed to sing and worship, you know, and praise him, lift him up. And he goes, I ain't got a problem with any of that. And I said, well, and he goes, uh, well, from this point forward, I'm going to start shutting some people down. And he did. And, uh, he, he came alongside, but now that was through an intense meeting, but, uh, yeah. but I mean, I, I will say, and then the other element, I want to say this, this I think is the most important thing mm. with seniors. Just love them. Oh Just my goodness, go preach them, go hang out with them, go where they are, uh, hug their neck, tell them you love them. I mean, man, that's, to them is everything. Guys, there's so much I want to ask you, Kevin. And we're just not gonna be able to get time for it. But
1: I I, I want to throw this one right in here because you you just went another direction. <laughs> How do you balance the need to honor and minister to the more mature older members and still do what it takes to reach the younger generations? Like there the there's just so much difference there and they tend to Look at each other and sometimes claws out at one another. But you've been able to do that. I went to your church and I've spoken there. And I mean, people love one another. And you got the oldest of old, and you got babies and children and teenagers and young adults all over the building. How do we do that?
2: Well, we truly are. We'll say this God's blessed us for this. We're not, we are truly a multi generational church. We, yesterday, let's say this yesterday, a lady had called me to come to her house. I didn't know what was going on, what's happening, she'd been visiting our church, so I went to her house, and um, 79 years old, and she's getting, she, she's getting baptized now, she gave her life to Christ, and so I was like, oh my goodness, 79-year-old, uh, and then I went to lunch with a 91-year-old last week who's more active than most 50-year-olds I know, uh, and so I just spend time loving on them. Now, what do I think is the secret to? We also have a united united in our church is a you know, how okay, so this is a principle I tried to go with. We have a legacy adult ministry, okay, and that that ministers to who the seniors, of course. So that's who you're in every church has a senior adult ministry. If they don't, that you know, there's probably a problem, yeah. but so we have a senior adult ministry, we have a Preschool, we have a children's, we have middle school, high school, we do college, but then there's this gap. There is this gap between the 22 year old to the 40 year old. So we started a new ministry last year called United, and United is targeting 30s and 40s. No, 20s and 30s. We target 20s and 30s. We designed a service for them that is on Sunday. It's once a month on Sundays, just like legacy adults has a once a month luncheon and there'll be 150 at the legacy luncheon. And then there's now there's 150 30s and 40 year olds that are coming together. And now here's the tie. When I preach, I talk to our senior adults and I say, isn't it great that we are reaching this younger generation and they will break out in applause hmm. because that matters to them. Cause that's our kids and grandkids. Yes. And they, they just cheer. And then I'll say, isn't it great that we're reaching our students We're reaching our children and they cheer for that. And then I'll say, now you young adults that are in the room, you United adults. I said, isn't it great that we have a set of senior adults in this church who love and pour their finances into you. Hmm. and uh they'll they'll cheer you know like so i make them see when i preach i make them see it you know i don't just i don't let that lie hmm. you know I'm, I'm gonna bring it up in the while i'm preaching some way somehow some time to time i don't do it all the time time to time i'm gonna bring that up and say like this sunday i'm i'm doing a we're having a family day churchwide family day where we're doing fireworks at the end of the thing and we've got food trucks the varsity is going to be there scott uh so come on you know we got uh the uh, pelican snow cones i mean we got all kinds of stuff barbecue (laughs) trucks pizza trucks so it's going to be awesome but there'll be something for children all the way through senior adults going on for the family day but i'm preaching on tables come to the table Mm. and great things happen at the table. What, and you know, so when you think about that, what happens at the table, you know, well, first of all, there has to be an invitation to be part of the family. So everybody's got a seat at the table and I'm going to have table set up on the the platform. People are going to come sit, and I'm bringing the general. so you got King David and his family sitting at the table. Yeah. And then, but there's a seat left open for who? Mephibosheth, you know the, the stall's grandson, yeah, yeah, Jonathan's son, and he brings him to the table, lame and all that. So I'm going to bring that in, and I'm going to tie that into the uh, the great table, the feast.
1: What you a know? great visual!
2: Yeah, and then going from that to the Lord's supper, and now we've got all the children in the room, and we're going to take the Lord's supper as a family Sunday. Everybody's going to take it, and then I'm going to end it with. But there is another table. That you've been invited to and it's found in revelation 19 the marriage feast of the, with the, the lamb you know and i was like man you have an invitation to come oh my to goodness table. that is so good so it doesn't matter who you are how old you are you have a seat at the table and so that's kind of where i go with everything I'm, I'm i want to be i don't want to be the pastor to the youth i don't want to be the pastor just to the um United or the median age adults or to senior adults. I want to be the pastor to all of them. And Mm -hmm. so, and that's kind of been my goal going into it the whole time. I don't want to just reach one group. I want to reach them all. Uh, I don't want to have a Saddleback Sam. I want to have a, let's reach all of them. That's great. And those are great thoughts for
1: practical application, you know, across different genres and, and age groups. You know, but one thing, Kevin, as I, as I transition to this next question that mm-hmm. I see in, in our, our great disciple makers, those who lead these systems, but they do it long term, is it's like this, the quote I put, I, I share with our group several weeks ago, said healthy leaders look more like an iceberg than an icicle. You know, mm-hmm. the iceberg has the deep roots. You can't see it, but it's creating um, strong stability and strength. Icicle, beautiful but it's going to melt when it's under fire, right? Dude, I like that. Um, my, here, that. Let me, so let me, ch- I want to chase that with you for just a second, because you've been leading well for a long time. You're, you're the second term president of the Georgia Baptist Convention during some would say some of the, maybe the toughest times that Georgia Baptist have ever gone through. What do you do personally to lead well and with character knowing that, man, most of our Christian heroes are fallen and that you and I are not immune to that. Like what are, what are some of your personal practices that allow you to lead well and to continue to lead well and not be disqualified or not give up?
2: Uh, I, I'm just finished a six week praying series, praying. And, and it came off the heels of a two month series I did on growing. Uh, so for me personally, I, that was really good actually to go back and and stay involved and uh, you know, this may sound cliche because every pastor says this, but I am telling you, after what all I've witnessed in the last few months, you know, through our own convention, through Georgia Baptist or not necessarily Georgia Baptist, but Southern Baptist right. in general. Um, I guess these two words really do come into play. Stay close and stay clean. Mm. Stay close to God, man. I mean, I, and listen, none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. I know that. I do know that. But I also know that God's called us leaders, pastoral leaders, to a double, double accountability. So what He's say? Yeah. yeah, and uh, I I'm, I take that serious, and I know. Listen, the guys that that have made m- mistakes, they probably took it serious too. So I don't take that for granted. Um, I do try my best to stay close and clean. So my practice is I pray. I mean, I really do. I, I spend a lot of time just praying, Lord, help me. to, And, and I do, I pray the prayer, of Jabez, uh, that God would protect me from evil. Mm-hmm. And you find that in the Lord's prayer. You know, I found it in, uh, in John 17, in the high priestly prayer, he says, protect them from evil. And, That's and good the evil one, because he's out there lurking, man. And I'm telling you personally, personally, in the last month, probably the hardest month I've ever been through personally in the ministry mm. or in my life. I mean, it, it was just been, I've been under attack and it's not human. I can tell you it's not human attack. Yeah. We're reaching people and things are happening. Good things are happening. And uh, as I told the church, and uh, I said this to a group of pastors the other day when I spoke to them, if if Satan's not bothering you, then you're probably not bothering him. Mm. and so I think I've been in the battle I mean I've just been in a war zone yeah and it's not flesh and bone I'm fighting I'm, yeah. fighting. I'm fighting against the principal I I know I am yeah and, and he wants to destroy my family so it has been a, it has been a fight and yeah uh, and the only place I could you know when I fight a song, when I fight, I fight on my knees. The battle belongs to him. Yeah. That is exactly the, and I know that may sound so cliche, but it is just the truth. That is the only battle ground that I can find where I'm I'm not gonna win unless he takes it on. So yeah. I, that's kind of I mean, I stay in the word, I read. Of course, we have to. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have to read, we have to study, and that helps. Um, but As I tell my church all the time, and if you're not applying these truths to your life, then it's really not changing you. You're just hearing good principles. You're hearing them, but that doesn't change you. Yeah. It changes in the application. So I've been applying those things to my life and man, it's, it's a game changer. It helps you stay close and stay clean.
1: That is so helpful. Even personally for me to hear Kevin, thanks for sharing that. And you mentioned tough days and, you know, the current climate we're in, man, there are a lot of, there are a lot of tough days and, you know, a lot of them, there's not those tangible rewards that we, that we love to see some, most of our churches are not seeing those growing numbers. They're not having that pat on the back. And it's like I shared on our platform this week, some days you're the dog, some days you're the fire hydrant, but keep it all in perspective, you know, but I'd love to hear from you. Just share some thoughts on navigating the rough days when people push back to you, when you're trying to help them take steps forward and you're trying, you know that there are things that you can do that's going to help the church corporately and personally, but people push back there. Are, are there any, any thoughts that you would share for our pastors who may be discouraged and experiencing in some of that right now?
2: Yes. I I have learned when they push back on me, and, and they have over the years. I mean, that's happened. I go spend time with them, the people that are pushing back. And because it, there's generally something there, there's something there that is causing that. Yeah. And so for me personally, I'm, and again, I, I'm kind of a, I I try to be very loving, but I'm also, I'm aggressive person and I want to get things done and I want to move at a rapid pace. And so I will go meet with people that, that for whatever reason have become sideways about something just to say, Hey, what's going on here? What can we work through? Is there a problem? Is there something I don't see? And sometimes, and there's one guy who I love to pieces, but he was, I could tell he was against something I was trying to get done. And so I met with him and said, Hey man, what's going on here? And he told me, he said, well, I see some pitfalls and I, I just don't think that's a good move. And, mm. and, and as we worked through it, I said, well, tell me what the pitfalls are. I said, you know, I don't want to fall in the hole. I said, so what, what's the pitfall? Well, he started sharing the, his things and you know what? He was right. Mm, and what wow. he did, and he he showed me, and then I said, well, let's navigate around that hole. And he was like, and then he got on board. Wow. In st- instead of being the problem, he became my advocate. But he was right. You know, yeah. I, don't, I, I wasn't, I guess what, as pastors, sometimes we can dig our heels in and say, no, this is what we're doing. And, but sometimes, you know, God says there's wisdom in the council. Yeah. And and so, I, and I've called those, guys. I have a group and I will say this, I have a group of men that when I started, I call them my vision team, but for short, I call them V team.
3: Mm-hmm. They're
2: my V team. It's they, some of them are deacons, some of them are not, but there's six of them that I have around me. So people, you can call them whatever you want to call them. You know, people got all kinds of names, but I just call them leaders. They are leaders. And when I get ready to make a major decision on anything, we come together. I will lay it out to them what I want to do. I'm this big dreamer. I'm a thirty thousand foot view guy. Yeah. And then they will take it and say, Okay, there's another guy on there who dreams like I do. He's a dreamer. But there's two guys on there that are what I call nuts and bolts guys. Man, they they are going to pick it apart and not in a negative way, but they're going to pick it apart. And they're going to show me how this could be a problem and this could be great. But then I got another guy on there that I call him the, he's a red zone guy. He's going to finish it. He's going to bring it home. Hmm. Uh, He, he loves to finish it. He He wants to score the touchdown. So I I take that view. And and so I take these men with me and these are the, these aren't just somebody's in the church. These are the, these men got prowess. They, they um, healthy respect they have influence. Yeah. And everybody in, you know, they, they know that these, these men won't let me walk into a hole. Hmm. And so I pull them around me and, and we meet and go over stuff. And then I'll say, this is what I want to do. And then that's how we built a $6 million building. Yeah. You know, through that, uh, that, you know, that, the things that we've done, They and there's been times they've said no, I don't know about that one, and I say no, I'm I'm convicted. This is what we need to do, and they'll go with me. Mm -hmm. And then they'll they'll say, well, I don't have to agree. I just I'll help you get there. Yeah. And so anyway, we've done that, and it worked out great. And they came back at the end and told me, man, that was great. I'm glad we did it. Yeah. You know. So it's gone both ways. But there's been times where I've had to back off. And uh, but but they've shown me. And so I try to listen to them and I try not to be bullheaded and, you know, the bull in the China shop here and tear yeah. everything up, uh, you know, so we're still human yeah, and we make mistakes. So I think you have to be wise as a pastor and put people around you that care about you, but yet also care about the kingdom and care about the church and seeing God propel everything forward. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's very important. I, yeah. So I, they, there have been some kickbacks, but we took the organ out of the church and uh, that the the patriarch of the church, it'd been out for several months. Yeah. And one day he just sent out an email to all the senior adults <laughs> wow, <laughs> about the organ being gone, but didn't, didn't ask me a question. So had to go deal with that. Yeah. But, you know, we worked through it and everything's fine.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. And you mentioned a couple of things. One was leading, one was. Um, giving and that that leads to the last thing that I want to throw to you, and we'll we'll land the plane here. You're a vocal supporter of cooperative program, and not everybody is. And there are a lot of people right now that are that are wondering about the priority of leading my church to give to the cooperative program. Can I trust that? Is the credibility in what we're doing with CP? Why do you lead your church to give to the cooperative programs, and and maybe any benefits?
2: Well, you know, this year is our two hundredth anniversary. 200. Yeah. Now I like to go back and see the beginning. What happened in the beginning? How did this start? So, you know, I'm a trustee on for the IMB. And so I love, I love, and I, obviously you hear my heart here. I love missions. I do. I think it's the catalyst for everything uh, that we do. So, but that's what Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations. So I believe in that. But you go back 200 years ago in Augusta, some pastors got together and said, hey, and just some friends, they weren't, there was no Baptist convention. So yeah. they just got together and said, hey, we want to send to, uh, this family to China. And we can't afford to do it by ourselves. But if we come together, I'll hmm. support this family. They could go to China. And so these 10 churches in Augusta got together and formed what we now know as the Southern Baptist Convention, the Georgia Mm -hmm. Baptist Convention, and they formed the very beginning of the cooperative program. And through that very moment was all for what? A mission. Yeah. It was to send missionaries. Well, over the years, obviously that grew into seminaries Uh, It grew into training young men and ladies to be on the mission field to, you know, it really propelled everything into what it is today. Everything started with those 10 churches getting together. So for me, it's always been about the mission. If it's Georgia Baptist, just look at what, I mean, I just wish everybody in the state would take a few minutes and just see all the amazing things that we do. Yeah. I mean, it's astounding. I mean, it really is. And people don't know. And so when I hear people say these statements, it really bugs me. They'll say, you know, when I go to these meetings, they're like, well, what are they doing up there in the ivory tower? What? Are mm-hmm. they I'm like, Well, they are trying to get the funds out to the world, you know, especially Georgia, if it's Georgia Baptist, Uh, We're trying to do our job here, but then that goes on to our seminaries. It goes on to our um, North American Mission Board, and it goes on to IMB. Yeah, And and those things I care about. I will say this. uh, There there are things that I don't agree with. Mm -hmm. There are things. I mean, I hear things when I'm at the SBC I don't agree with. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's okay. That doesn't. I, I guess that old saying: "Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater." Right. Just because somebody who's in California or somebody who's in Montana or Texas or wherever makes a statement that I don't agree with, doesn't mean I, I'm taking my ball and going home. Mm-hmm. That doesn't change the 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 mission. The mission's still the same. We are the largest. The single largest mission agency in the world. Why would you want to hurt that? You know why? Why would you want to? And listen, I know I'm up there. I know what they do, and I'll be up there. And next next week I'll be up there. And I'm telling you, man, they are getting after it. Yeah, you know, and I and B, they are. And and Paul Chip was doing a great job. And and people, you know, people hear things and they get misinformation. Uh, I've been told this week. Scott, that we are shutting down all support for BCMs. Wow. I was like, where did you hear that? Well, they got rid of a guy. I said, there's a big difference in getting rid of a guy versus we're shutting down all support for BCM.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Gracious.
2: <laughs> but I hear that you'll hear those things. and But then that grows legs and then that runs all over the place and everybody's saying stuff that's not true. and And so I find myself, a lot of times just saying, no, that that's not truth. Uh, let me tell you the truth. And so I do believe 100% in the CP. Yeah, I do. Are there things I don't agree with? Yeah. Yeah, there's some things yeah. I do not agree with, but that's okay. I, I'm sure there's things that I do that people at my church don't agree with. Yeah, but they still support the church you know, they didn't throw, they didn't quit church because they, you know, now some may have, but, um, you know, you can't quit on God because you didn't like what somebody did or said. Yeah. And, and that's where I think we have to be careful. You know, don't forget the mission, you know, what we're here for. That we're here to reach the world with a gospel. That's, that's it. That, that in the end game, that's what we're here to do. We're here to right. reach the world, make disciples. That's what we're here to do. And if we're, if we throw that out, then what's your plan?
1: Yeah, that's great, and that's what we want to do. We want to finish the mission. Right. And as we close our our thoughts here today, Doc, I I'll uh, leave our listeners with a thought. I, I had a conversation with my son this week. He he's uh, his name is Austin. He works in Houston, and he's a salesman for a billion dollar company. And uh, last month he was the top producer in Houston and top 10 in the nation. Man, I was just so proud. We're talking about how good things were, but we also talked about how, Hey, keep your guard up because if you're going to accomplish your task, the mission you've got there, uh, as a salesman, um, there are two principles that effective leaders do to maintain momentum. And I want to share that with you guys today. The first thing that, that Austin and I talked about was focus on solutions, you know, that when you when you find a solution for a problem that brings relief, it brings satisfaction. But if you focus on the problem, it only brings frustration. So identify the problem, but focus on the solution. The second thing was, I said, son, effective leaders, CEO their situation. And he just kind of cocked his head at me. So what are you talking about? I said, they CEO their situation. See, they create their own work. Means they take initiative and they create their own work so that they always have something they can do to be moving forward and then the e equip and inspire others invest your life in other people Mm -hmm. i said because even though you're on a team and you want to win you want to be the top producer the reality is when others win we win Mm -hmm. i mean at southern Baptist convention that's where we are i'm not going to agree with everything at nam or imb or sbc but when when others win we win so equip and invest your life in others and then the o Outwork the problems because the problems going to come. We're in a human-based system, and when that happens, I told Austin, no one should ever outwork you, son. They may be bigger, they may be more eloquent, they may be better at certain things, but no one ever should outwork you. So, friends, this more uh, as you are listening to this. Uh, next time you find yourself wondering how to take a step forward as a disciple and gain momentum, focus on solutions and CEO your Situation. Kevin Williams, thank you for joining me today, friend, for leading your family and your church and GBC well. Thank you, friend. You bet you, you bet you. Lana, Melton, John Graham, PJ Dunn, thanks for producing and helping with all we do with this Georgia Baptist Discipleship broadcast. And I want to remind our listeners we're only able to do this because you give generously to the pro- cooperative program. So thanks for doing that. And I pray that today's discussion with Kevin Williams will equip you to think often invest intimately in dream big as we make world impacting disciple makers. Yes,
0: Thanks for listening. We want to continue the conversation from today's broadcast in a learning community near you. These learning communities are designed to celebrate your biggest wins, resource your greatest need, and help you finish well. We also want to give you a free gift, the five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple makers. You can download this resource by going to ministryboom.com. This five-page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptists to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org slash discipleship. Engage with us on your time through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and all podcast platforms. Lastly, if you've benefited from this conversation today, please share this with a friend as we seek to help churches make world-impacting disciple makers.